taking this over in May, I realized, you know, there are a lot of things that I would really, really like to get done. Um, you know, not necessarily just during 4.7, but really use 4.7 as a way to get set up in a much better way. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by the team at Valet. Valet helps brands unleash their potential with real-time metrics, intelligent recommendations, and that age-old method of having an awesome team to back it all up. See, my friends at Valet are up to something really, really cool. But first, let me ask you this question. Every time you build a website for a client, don't you feel like you're making the web a better place? Well, here's the thing. Valet's got something in the works that will let you back that claim up. It's called Valet Metrics, and you can get your free website snapshot over at valetmetrics.com. It's an amazing tool. You get in-depth analysis of a website covering security, speed, usability, traffic, conversions, all wrapped up in this beautiful reporting dashboard that provides action, not fluff. You and Valet, making WordPress and the web a better place. Get your snapshot at valetmetrics.com. Season four, episode three with Helen Hosandi. She joins us today to talk about what it's like to be a WordPress core contributor, uh, lead on a 4.7 release, which is up and coming, and just what it's like from that point of view, from somebody in her position and how she manages all of this stuff. You know, what features get into WordPress? How are they decided? Uh, what does that structure look like? So if you've ever wondered how something ends up in WordPress, which I'm sure many of you do, and if you're not familiar with this, uh, this sort of process or this workflow or the community and how it all sort of boils together, uh, this is a great episode. We're also going to talk about her experiences with TenUp and uh, what she does as a you know somebody who's at TenUp but just purely focused on contributing back to WordPress, but all of the stuff that uh, that she's learned there and some of the lessons she learned from being a musician and how that all plays into being a great software engineer, making key decisions for usability and stuff like that for software. Great episode. Can't thank Helen enough for taking the time to do it. It's matreport.com slash subscribe to stay connected. And as always, thank our sponsors. It's Pagely and Valet. Let's get into the show. Hey, Helen. Welcome to the Matt Report. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, super excited to get into this conversation today. Uh, you are a wealth of knowledge that I want to tap into. <laughs> uh, but for folks who don't know who you are, uh, what is it that you do around uh, the WordPress space? Uh, yeah, so I am the director of platform experience at this agency called TenUp, uh, which I think a lot of people in our space have seen around. Uh, we're an agency of about 125 people, I think. Um, I was the first employee about five years ago. Uh, so it's been a pretty crazy ride uh, and I love it a lot. Um, what I do at 10up that, with that fancy title uh, is I get paid uh, to work on WordPress full time. Uh, it's sort of our dedication and our giving back to the platform that we've really built um, a huge part of our business on. Um, and within WordPress, uh, I am one of five lead developers uh, for WordPress itself. Uh, which means a lot of things, uh, including that I can, you know, push code to the repository, uh, what committers are, which I think we'll talk about later. Um, and I make a lot of day-to-day uh, -day decisions um, as well as higher-level decisions. Nice, nice. You're you're living you're living the 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 dream that so many folks just want to get paid to <laughs> contribute to WordPress <laughs> and build WordPress. Um, but something tells me it's 
probably not as easy as it sounds, or maybe not as glorious as it sounds some days. <laughs> no, no, uh, it's definitely not. And, and, and we'll definitely get into that. Before we do, uh, we talked pre-show. There's some folks in the audience that, you know, we hear things like contributor, core committer, uh, you know, people that work on track tickets and support forms. But if you could just break it down, like what is a WordPress contributor versus a core committer? And what does that look like from your uh, point of view? Sure. Um, so a WordPress contributor is a really, really broad thing um, and encompasses a lot of people, many of whom probably don't think of themselves as contributors, but it's really anybody who does something that you know, benefits somebody else in the community. Um, so that could be you answering a question on a support forum, uh, which is actually where a lot of people start and is a great way to uh, not just help other people, but also learn yourself about what it means to, you know, explain things using, um, you know, different terminology and that sort of thing. Um, you have people who transcribe videos, you have people who translate WordPress and plugins, um, and you have, you know, people doing plugins and themes and, you know, all those kinds of things. And then you get into um, what I think a lot of people mostly think about, which is working on the core software itself, um, whether that's through code or design uh, testing, that sort of thing. Um, within core itself, we have a bunch of uh, names, I guess, for, uh, they're not really positions, I guess, roles is probably the better term for it. Um, these roles really are, I don't know, we call people these things because they're already doing the job, right? Um, it's not like we go and hire people or put out a, a search um, for things. Um, but you get, uh, I think the most common things you'll hear are core developers, uh, which really encompasses anybody who's been contributing um, in a regular sort of fashion for any amount of time, uh, usually some amount of time, um, showing their consistency. Um, you have component maintainers, um, who could also be called core developers, but these are people who really focus on um, a specific functional area of WordPress. Um, they may or may not write code itself or commit code itself, um, but they do a lot of focused work in that area. Uh, a lot of times it's somebody coming from you know, an agency or a freelancer background who's done a lot of work in that area, um, such as like with comments, for instance, right? If you work on something where um, you're doing some interesting things with custom comment statuses or types uh, or, you know, scaling comments, that sort of thing. You probably have developed real expertise and knowledge of that component over time. Um, and helping us maintain that as a project is a great way to kind of give back that knowledge, uh, kind of get better at it yourself and also maybe make it better uh, for all the things that you found that are probably broken in there. Um you get into core committers. Um, commit then is that's really technical terminology, which is somebody who can push code um, to the WordPress code base itself, thereby changing it um, for anybody who's using WordPress, uh, especially if you're running, you know, nightlies or trunk. Um, you know, there's more layers of review that you know for things that actually make it in the end, um, and anybody can actually be writing that code in the first place. Uh, but these are people who actually make the changes um, in the central repository. Um, among committers, you have people who we call guest committers. Those are people who are um, newer to committing. Sometimes it's like they're working on a specific project uh, or component, or there's somebody who, you know, is more general and, you know, we're giving it a tryout, you know, just seeing how comfortable they get, you know, how they 
uh, sort of function with that role. Um, you know, so maybe guest for one cycle, maybe guest for a little while, and then they become then what we call a permanent committer, uh, who's just somebody with commit access who's been around long enough that we trust them to stick around <laughs> pretty much is what that boils down to. Um, we don't really revoke it necessarily, although people, you know, naturally sort of drop off or change interests over time. Um, and then we have a few of us who are lead developers, um, and we are people who have been around for quite some time, um, are trusted, tend to be more public facing, um, if that makes sense. Uh, so we do a lot of communication uh, as well as decision making. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Pagely. Pagely, where we help big brands scale WordPress, it's enterprise WordPress hosting in the Amazon cloud. If you're building big, powerful WordPress websites for your clients, you need big, powerful hosting, and Pagely delivers. I use Pagely for my websites and e-commerce shops, so I trust their service, and I have no issues recommending them to you. Look, I only bring on sponsors that I trust. And who else trusts Pagely? Verizon, eBay, Disney, Twitter, and more. You can see that right on the homepage of their website. Pagely is the OG of WordPress managed hosting, and they're innovating the market every single day. If your clients trust you to write scalable code, then trust Pagely to host it for you. Check out pagely.com. Uh, so, that, I mean, this is an amazing breakdown. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, if and I'm going to ask the question that I hear a lot, and I pretty much think I know the answer, but somebody's aspiring to get into this stuff. What is the best route? Is it you know, starting off and attending a few meetings in Slack and sort of raising their hands? Are there different ways that the aspiring developer, developer, uh, somebody who specifically wants to commit code to WordPress, not um, just a contributor in terms of all the other vast areas of WordPress, but somebody who specifically wants to write code for WordPress um, itself, what's the best route for them to start? Sure. Um, I think, you know, for me, I have found that the best way to get started is to find something that um, you really care about or maybe is really bothering you and therefore is why you care about it. Um, that's where I got started was just uh, small visual tweaks. And I think that's why for a long time people thought that I uh, was primarily a designer or front end developer, which is not actually the case, um, although I'm comfortable doing those things. Um, but that was what was bugging me was just these small, very, very small visual inconsistencies and just sort of that that polish, you know, um, for a piece of software. And uh, I just started submitting fixes for those. Um, kind of challenged myself to learn subversion, uh, how to make patches, you know, getting over a fear of track, which is a terrifying place to be, um, all those sorts of things. So I think if you find something that you really care about and that, you know, you know, is bugging you that you're noticing all the time. Um, it's, it's a little easier, I guess, to follow through with it, um, and not sort of drop off or get as discouraged as quickly. Um, I do think that it's, you know, we frequently, it can take a while sometimes for patches to get an eye. Um, especially like, you know, during certain times of a cycle, there might be just a lot of things going on and things slip through the cracks. Um, and that's why we need component maintainers, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, um, just to help us get through these things and make sure that everybody's tickets are seen and responded to. Um, but I think, you know, advocating for a ticket, um, you know, knowing when to, to ask again, 
knowing maybe when not yet to ask again um, for somebody to look at your ticket is very important. Um, and then I was as as I was saying about component maintainers, um, these are people who, again, may not necessarily have commit access right away. Uh, you don't need to. You don't need to be actually pushing the code yourself. Um, but over time, you can sort of earn that trust of, you know, I'm here, uh, I'm reliable, I respond to things in a friendly and uh, positive and constructive way. Um, I can review patches or test patches. Um, I can help people get their patches to a point where they look like they're ready for a commit. Um, I'm somebody who can who has the judgment to know when something is ready for a commit. Um, and doing that for a specific component, uh, like I mentioned, like comments or, you know, let's say you want to get into query or caching or accessibility, um, those sorts of things. Um, as you get into those and you really show, you know, like, I'm here, I'm reviewing patches, I'm sticking with tickets until the point where they can be resolved. Um, that's really what we are looking for in committers is somebody whose, you know, code judgment we trust, you know, for sure, but also whose uh, temperament and consistency um, really embodies, you know, leadership um, in the community and, you know, in, in their given area. Because uh, you don't want somebody who just drops code in and then wanders off and never comes back to it, especially if there's like a problem or, you know, there's more follow-up needed or something. What you want is for somebody who will show up and keep pushing on it, even when things get annoying or slow. Yeah. I mean, it's something of like a, almost a literal town hall of sorts uh, <laughs> where, I mean, you, you could have somebody uh, showing up to a town hall meeting and saying, uh, hey, look, there's uh, there's a factory down the street and, you know, there's this smog coming from it. We really need to look into it. And that's something that affects many, many people. And, and I'm, I'm sort of trying to relate this to, you know, either big bugs or, or maybe uh, hopeful feature requests where people are saying, hey, look, we, we really need to do something about it. And because it affects many, there's, there's this big movement, movement on it. But, you know, the fellow that shows up and yells from the back of the room, like, there's a pothole on my street. <laughs> when, <laughs> when is the town going to fix it? Uh, you know, right. that, that person sort of doesn't get there unless it, you know, it becomes, you know, a final thing that's where maybe there is time to do something like this or the pothole sort of erodes and, and becomes a safety <laughs> hazard. Right. Uh, there's something greater. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if you can outline, this is sort of a, a, a pretty big question with maybe different threads here, but um, let's see how you do that. I wonder if you can outline the biggest challenges for the 4.7 release for you personally, and then the core team, and then for sort of WordPress itself. So maybe, you know, I'll try to stage it for you a little bit. Like maybe you personally, it's just difficult time-wise or sort of just managing all the different personalities and and, pro and, and features going on. And then what's the core team, like deadlines and, and working together. And then WordPress itself, perhaps something of a, a brand impact. Like, um, you know, there's a, there's a new feature coming in and the shift of what the expectation is from the end user to accept these new changes. Uh, pretty heavy question, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how you do. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a great one. Um, so starting for me personally, um, I am, of course, fortunate that I get paid to do this um, for full time if I want to. I actually tend to do some other things uh, for 10up, especially because I'm on leadership and you know because I love 10up. Um, so I tend not to spend like a full, you know, 40 hours a week on uh, WordPress itself. 
Uh, but I am fortunate that I get to spend, you know, a lot of my paid time doing this. So it allows me to sort of bounce around, take on a lot of responsibilities that maybe somebody who would be volunteering their time um, might not get to do or get so deep into. Um, one of the things that's been a little tough is that I jumped into this late. Um, a lot of people get asked to be a release lead or volunteer to do one um, fairly late in the process. We are very much behind deciding, um, you know, gathering volunteers and then deciding who's going to lead the releases next year. Uh, you know, 4849, uh, 5.0. Um, you know, Ideally, we would have somebody chosen, you know, a year ahead of time, right? Um, it's sort of hard to get that, to commit that, um, you know, especially with volunteers, um, but sort of, you know, just get somebody in place uh, who then can be thinking about their release, right, and what they might want in it, um, how they might shape it, what they would want to put in it. Um, for me, as a lead developer as well, you know, I have a lot of opinions, um, I have a lot of, I guess, uh, trust and respect and, you know, earned power. I hope it's earned power uh, to make decisions um, about a lot of things. So, you know, I have a lot of things that I want to get done in WordPress. And so when I was asked to take over 4.7 um, from Matt Mullenweg, uh, this was in May, I think, um, whereas I think Matt himself had known he was going to do this starting last December. Uh, so taking this over in May, I realized, you know, there are a lot of things that I would really, really like to get done. Um, you know, not necessarily just during 4.7, but really use 4.7 as a way to get set up in a much better way, uh, to accomplish those things. Um, so for me, it was sort of a mad scramble before the actual release itself started, um, to start getting some things into place. Um, and that included 2017, um, the things that go along with it, um, sort of like the broader concept of what 4.7 could be um, in terms of a release and not just whatever it is that people want to work on. Um, in terms of, you know, a broader team, um, I always say that I don't really know what the core team is, like what people mean when they talk about a core team, because um, it's, you know, whoever shows up that day, really, uh, especially with volunteers. You know, we have a lot of people we can count on. We definitely have some volunteers we can count on day to day. Um, but most of the time, honestly, it's, you know, whoever shows up that day to work on things. Um, so one of the things with this release is, you know, with a, with a broader team is balancing things that other people want to work on, um, especially people who have specific areas that they want to work on. Um, so, you know, media, for instance, has uh, a really strong representation of, you know, weekly meetings, uh, a couple of people leading things who can also commit things, um, really robust ticket review, uh, that sort of thing. So they have some stuff going on that, you know, may just be what they want to work on. Uh, and that's fine, right? Um, but there's sort of a sense of, you know, as a release lead, I need to keep some sense of what they're doing, um, just so that I know how it all ties together how can we sell this later on, right? Because, you know, we can update the software and we know what's great about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that it's very important that you're able to sell to somebody like, why should you update yet again, right? Why should you continue to care about WordPress? Why does WordPress continue to be the right tool for you? Um, so keeping track of these things and not just saying like, well, you know, now you can 
you know, do this meta query on attachments <laughs> to include a piece of meta, right? And to developers, like that's pretty cool. We're doing kind of wild things with querying. And so that sounds cool to us, but to an end user, what that really means, and, and really to, you know, I'm an end user just as much as anybody else's. Um, so to your end user, what that really is, is now you can find your media using the original file name, right? So <laughs> you've uploaded a piece of media and you've like forgotten what you named it or it pulled a title in from like one of those, uh, what are they like IPTC fields, whatever they're called. Um, so you've forgotten, but all you remember is what the file name was that you originally uploaded it under. And up until like a month ago, you couldn't find it again by that, which when you think about it that way is very silly. <laughs> it seems like a huge oversight, right? Um, on a technical front, that was not fun to implement. Um, it's a it's a fairly old ticket, actually. Um, but that's the sort of thing that we can sell, right? Where we say, this is a change that is great for developers and we're really excited about it. But what it really is, is you can find your media faster, better, right? Um, and then from there, how does that set us up for further changes that um, support that, whether or not we can get those into 4.7? So one of the proposals, um, which I think a lot of people will be excited um, about, is finally adding um, a built-in taxonomy for media. Um, and this, again, supports that idea of finding your media faster, better, um, in a way that makes more sense to you. So being able to... You know, whether we have it be, you know, tags or categories or whatever it is, like it ends up actually being, but being able to filter through your stuff, right? So you can filter by date, you can filter by, you know, whatever this taxonomy is that you've, you know, labeled things with, um, you can search by file name, um, you can filter by type. So just having more robust filtering, being able to find your media, right? And that's maybe a bigger picture goal uh, that we're working toward. So again, may not actually hit, probably won't hit the taxonomy thing in 4.7, and not because the taxonomy part is hard, but because the UI part is actually pretty hard. Um, but being able to hit that, you know, that first step of, you know, now you can search by file name, therefore you have an easier time finding your media um, and taking that sort of selling point and expanding it past, you know, just this release. Um, that's one of those things that I hope that we get better at as a project, um, and it has been sort of a focus of mine so far during 4.7, and I think, you know, impacts a lot of, uh, the other teams. Um, and of course, you know, there are always background changes. Um, there's been a lot of movement still, um, on taxonomy, uh, comment caching, I think I saw, uh, some stuff like that. So, um, and there've also been some changes that went in. Um, I think people were ex very excited to see, and I was excited to see the movement, um, but I think uh, sort of showed signs of not really getting any follow through, um, what I was talking about earlier. Um, so these, I, I almost don't want to bring them up, <laughs> but these were changes um, around uh, globals in WordPress and uh, having some sort of auto loader. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, back and forth and controversy and, you know, like what is dissent and, you know, what, what, you know, do WordPress developers care about, you know, actual PHP and that sort of thing. And, you know, people can continue on with those debates all that they want. Um, and that's fine. Um, but I think what, what really showed to me, um, was that, you know, some stuff got dropped in and then wasn't really followed through, right. There wasn't a lot of, you know, 
research and, you know, sort of, you know, work leading into it to really justify, you know, just dropping code in and maybe or maybe not somebody will follow through with any problems that might arise. And with changes like that, problems that come out of that can be, you know, really bad or really complicated to unwind. And with somebody to, without somebody to own, you know, sort of not just the process of introducing it, but maintaining it over time, um, I was really reluctant to allow that to continue uh, during 4.7. So that got backed out. Um, and that was really tough. And that's that's one of those things that um, I think, you know, is very hard with short development cycles. Um, it's been moved off, the autoloader stuff got moved off to a GitHub fork and branch. And there are supposed to be, you know, discussions and issues and that sort of thing. Um, so hopefully that's moving. Uh, but again, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, there's like active ownership of, of the issue. Right. So, um, so that really to me is, is the problem. It's not even a, a question of like, you know, is this worthy material, right? Like we haven't even gotten to the point of evaluating that we just don't have an owner to get to the point where we can determine whether or not something is, you know, good for WordPress or not. Um, so then I think what was the last part? That was the, uh, and I think it's sort of, you've sort of mentioned that like searching for file names, but my, the third one was, what's the biggest challenge for, uh, I guess WordPress itself. And that could be the end user, the experience of WordPress and sort of the complexities of these, because I think, and I'll let you, you know, run with, run with the rest of this answer. But I think that even mentioning the way that developers phrase how you're going to tackle searching file names in media gallery, which is, you know, the, the real baseline of it and how that transfers to the end user, like end users say, I don't even understand what you're saying by meta fields and meta descriptions. <laughs> and like, why, like, why aren't we focusing on, I don't know, like some buzzword of the day uh, versus media files, but these are huge problems that need to be tackled that they just maybe just don't understand why time's being spent on this. Cause it looks like such a small thing. Like, gee, it's just, I type into Google all day long and it finds it. No problem. What's the big deal? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so sure. I guess to, to f you can finish your answer with what do you think the biggest issue is for, for the WordPress maybe user or brand itself? So I think um, there are a couple fronts. One is what I was just talking about, which is more of a developer front, um, which is something I've actually had some really good conversations uh, with people like uh, Boone and Daniel Bachhuber about uh, which is like how do we get these bigger developer facing changes um, you know into WordPress like how do we structure a process that actually allows for you know innovation on these fronts um, and to experiment in ways that are you know constructive and not you know sort of avoid the contentious parts of you know a process as much as we can um, so that's been one of the the challenges and those can be really hard because we have such a focus on, you know, how does this impact a user, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, we get a little lost, try to be too strict maybe about, uh, you know, how does this impact a user? So for something like an autoloader, like, you know, what's the performance like on this? And it's like, performance matters, but like if you don't have like metrics to show that this impacts an end user, that's fine. So long as you don't break their stuff, <laughs> I think it's fine uh, without that. Um, 
as as far as users go, I think, you know, so the big theme for me for 4.7 and beyond is, you know, how do you get your site looking the way that you want it to look? Um, so for 4.7, my biggest focus there, so you have to, you know, you have to dial it in, of course, uh, especially for, you know, like three to four month chunks of development time. Um, but my biggest focus for 4.7 has been um, what is the initial theme setup experience like? Um, mostly focusing on fresh sites, um, although there are some things happening that will also benefit people who are switching themes for existing sites. Um, but these are things like, uh, for instance, um, being able to add pages when you're creating a nav menu in the customizer, right? So if you think about the way that somebody is thinking through setting up a website for the first time, right? Like, let's let's imagine this. And I used to teach this um, to musicians. So uh, this is not just like me making up stories. This is me having observed, you know, hundreds of students doing this. Um, you get people who, you know, have seen a lot of websites, right? They've been looking at things. They know, you know, what appeals to them, what doesn't. Um, and so they come in and they're thinking, okay, first I want to find a theme that sort of matches what I have in my head, right? And that's, that is a huge problem in WordPress <laughs> um, and one that I'm not tackling really in 4.7, except that I hope 2017 represents a look that a lot of people are looking for. Um, but that's a problem, right? Finding a theme that matches what you have in your head, that's a problem that we need to tackle and is broader than WordPress itself. It, you know, it applies to .org and, you know, probably impacts, you know, theme marketplaces and, you know, product makers and that sort of thing. Um, but how do you find a theme, right, that matches what you have in your head? And then from there, you know, you can get into, now we have live previewing of themes, um, which was not a thing that we had for a long time, right? Uh, you kind of had to activate it <laughs> and see if you liked it and then quickly go back if you didn't, right, on a live site. Um, so now we can live preview um, themes like with our own content. Um, and that's a really cool thing that we can do. So, you know, you, you're live previewing this theme, right? And you're setting up your site for the first time and you're thinking you're kind of going top down basically, right? And you're thinking, I want to put a logo here. I want to have my site title there. I want to have a picture underneath. Um, and then I want to have this menu under that. And in my menu, you know, I don't have like, the words written for it necessarily yet, but I know I want to have home about, uh, you know, media and contact, for instance, right? Like some very typical pages that you see around. Um, and you know that you want those things. You just don't know what you're going to put in those pages yet. Um, right now, like in 4.6, um, you know, what most people have installed, um, you would have to leave the customizer, um, make pages, assuming that you know that that's what you need to do <laughs> and then go back into the customizer or go back into wherever it is that you're setting up your menu, add those things to the menu, save it, assign it to that area and then see if it looks like what you want it to look like. Um, and that is, that's an awful process. You're interrupting yourself. Um, if you have to go into the page editor, you're confronted with not just the title, but you know, all of the other boxes, a content area. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm just, I'm not ready to think about these things yet. Right. I just, I just know that I want to have a menu under my header with a link to something that says about on it. Um, and so what we've added is this ability to add pages while you're creating a nav menu, uh, much the way that you can add a category. 
um, when you're writing a post. Um, and what it does is it creates something in the background with that title, nothing in the content area, but just the title. Um, and then the slug is like auto-generated for the people who care about that. Um, and you can add it to your menu from there. Um, and then if you decide that, you know, all those things are what you want and you hit save and publish your changes in the customizer, it then actually creates those pages for you um, and publishes them just with no content. But that means that now you have like an actual functioning menu with these things that you wanted in it. And now you can go back and you can fill in those pages however you want um, in a way that makes sense for you in a timeline that makes sense for you. Um, but for a lot of people who are sort of scaffolding a site, let's say, right, and they just want to get to a point where they can share an initial site with somebody, you know, say, send it to a friend or to their boss and be like, hey, you know, is this essentially what you're looking for? You know, that's a much better process, um, much much more streamlined, uh, there are fewer interruptions, getting from, you know, the point of trying on a theme to being able to send something to somebody you know, for approval or, you know, just to share something that you've been working on. Um, and that's really what the focus has been for 4.7. I think that, you know, a, a touching on like, how do you even find a theme in the first place? You know, what is it like when you're changing themes? You know, these are all things that have not really been focused on in 4.7. And I think will be focused on um, just sort of as a broader, you know, like as people like to call it vision uh, for WordPress, which is, you know, how do users end up with a site that matches what they have in their head, what they need and what they have in their heads? Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's been a tremendous, uh, tr you know, sticking point for, I think, everybody who, you know, is in the service market of WordPress, be it, you know, again, the small freelancer or even 10 up as an agency is one, how do we extract what the, what the user wants in a site versus what we think is sort of best practice and how do we uh, bridge that gap? And, and then for the person who's looking at WordPress to start their blog or build their website for their business. Um, I mean, in recently, and, and you took, you already, you've already answered this question um, you know, in your recent tweet storm <laughs> of <laughs> having to do this uh, yourself and and go through that experience, it's quite difficult, even for experienced people like like you and I. Um, yeah. Do you have a greater respect? I mean, and, and let me stage this question: For years, folks like you and I and and others uh, have been saying like don't use the themes that have everything in the kitchen sink put in them. Uh, you know, if they have a contact form built in it, it should be, you know, it should be banned. And, and we recently saw um, one of the major themes, Zerif Light, get banned from the theme review team because it had sort of these plug-in-like elements. But the, uh, the argument is the end user who has no idea about the ecosystem of WordPress uh, tries to do this on their own, and they're like, "What? What? I have? I, what? Where's my menu? I have to go get plugins. That what's a plugin? Uh, I just heard Kevin Hart promoting a Wix, uh, Wix commercial. I'm just gonna go use Wix because I like Kevin Hart. Like, yeah. <laughs> WordPress well. is under WordPress is under attack uh, from all right. angles. How do we make it easier? And I mean, I mean, I believe you've already answered that. But we're making strides, but anything else to sort of bridge this gap of of the end user spinning up a WordPress site a little bit easier. Sure. Um, so I think there are a few things. There's, you know, what we can do in core. So one of the things that I've proposed for 4.7 that, you know, I really need to get 
working on um, is the idea of um, sort of starter or sample content, um, which is the ability for a theme to specify like this is a thing that might look good in this area, right? So in a footer widget having, you know, business contact information and hours, right? So um, for us as WordPress, it probably means that we have to write some content essentially for uh, theme authors to choose from. Um, like as a default experience and especially for ones that are hosted on .org, right? Like we don't, you would, I think it would be probably a poor experience for many, um, for theme authors to largely be writing their own content, um, for that sort of thing. We still want to provide something that's you know consistent and consistently shows, you know, this is the same thing, but how it interacts, you know, and how it acts and looks, um, in different themes, um, so there's there's sort of that angle, like what we can do in core to sort of better reflect to users, like this is what a theme is going to look like. This is what you can do with a theme. Um, this is how this theme might match up with not just, you know, visually what you want, but maybe content wise, you know, really sort of uh, inspire you in terms of what you want to put on your website. Um, to that end, I actually, you know, I have a lot of respect for themes that do everything. Um, and I think that you know, that's a completely understandable, you know, path that, you know, kind of was, was gone down. Um, for me, though, at least on .org, you know, for other theme marketplaces, it sort of depends like on how they structure, you know, findability and that sort of thing. Um, but on .org, to me, it seems like what we really need are much more targeted themes, right? Like if I'm trying to make a website and I want to search for a theme, searching for a theme right now sucks. Like I... I cannot think of a nicer word for it. Like that's just, that's how it is. It is I agree. terrible. It is terrible. Trying to find a theme on .org is, is the worst thing ever. And uh, it's just awful. And to me, you know, if you really, let's say I want to build a theme. Um, I want to build a site for um, my, well, I'll just use a personal example. So my husband's a musician and I used to be one. Um, and so, you know, he has a personal portfolio site, um, and so do a lot of our friends. That's what I used to teach. That's, I specifically taught digital portfolios for musicians. Um, so that's what I've dealt with for a long time. Um, and so if I was looking for a theme, I might look for something that specifically mentioned, you know, musicians or artist portfolio or something like that, right? And a lot of things don't specifically target that they might mention them like as keywords there's a potential use but I might really look for something that specifically markets itself that way right and that theme may actually just be a child theme of some bigger you know wider use theme or something but something that comes with you know better sample content that is more geared towards something that might be media heavy right um, something that specifically shows that it skins built-in players uh, for media element, because um, there's a very skinnable, um, maybe not in a fun way <laughs> for a developer, but you can, right? Um, so something that really kind of showcases those things. Um, and so to me, like having a demo that doesn't span everything, um, but rather a demo that really shows like, this is what this site looks like for this specific use, um, I think actually is probably more effective for most people, especially given the way people search for things, um, you know, at least within the .org repo. Um, let's see, what else is there? Um, tying in with the .org repo, um, I think that sometimes there isn't 
the greatest communication um, between contributor teams in WordPress. Um, so there is a theme review team. There are not very many people who contribute regularly to core who also do theme review. I don't, right? I know that I'm not a person who does that. Um, and so there isn't a lot of knowledge exchange between the two, right? So looking at the theme review team, you know, whatever it is that you think of, the decisions that they make or the way that they do them or enforce them, right? What we really need to do as a project, you know, especially for core is what are these things that this team is frequently finding themselves, you know, reviewing, you know, banning, whatever, you know, setting up guidelines for, what are these things that they are repeatedly seeing in themes, right? Because those probably represent some sort of need that people have, right? And so if the theme review team is finding these things over and over, and especially if they're finding a need to, you know, control them or ban them or, or you know, whatever, um, what is it that core could do? What is it that the core software could do better, right? So sample content is one of them, right? There are a lot of themes that try to work around it by having like hard-coded, um, like, homepage templates and that sort of thing so that their .org previews look better, um, so that the initial setup experience is better. Um, and those really, that's the theme working around, you know, WordPress's shortcomings. It's not that the theme is doing something awful. It's that WordPress itself doesn't give you a good way to have, you know, a strong initial, you know, impact on a user, right? You don't have a good, you know, first impression on a user of themes right now. Um, and so it's not that the theme has done something awful to try to have a good first impact. Like that's, that seems like an obvious thing for a theme to want to do, but rather it's that, you know, WordPress needs to step up and say, you know, we understand that this is a problem. This is something that we have to care about for our users. Um, and this is what we can do to make that experience better for you, more normalized so that themes then aren't being punished for, you know, getting creative, um, so that they can actually be successful. Amen. <laughs> and look, while you're at it, I like verified author accounts too, because yeah. I, I think that there is way too much uh, flash in the pan spam accounts. A lot of folks look. We know it's it's sort of obvious that dot uh, that the repo. There's a lot of money exchanging hands through that repo. It's uh, it is a marketplace that isn't really making a transaction on the site, but it leads to a transaction. Um, as an owner of a theme shop, I mean, it's obvious. I most of my traffic, a majority of it, comes from .org, uh, and then it later translates into a transaction with an end user. Um, but but we've seen top themes uh, again. Zerif forty thousand dollars a month in revenue uh, at the low end uh, now being pulled from the repo is going to have dramatic impacts on their business. But I would like to see some verification, some kind of trust symbol um, that lets the end user know you're making the right choice. And of course, I know that can have a domino effect down the road of some other uh, bad manipulation too. But I mean, I'm looking for something uh, that can re-emphasize or emphasize trust uh, that you're getting it from an author who who does it right with air quotes in the air. Right. Uh, that's, that's you know, you don't have to answer that on the air, <laughs> but it's just it's just a <laughs> wish list of yeah. mine. No, um, I, I can kind of talk about it maybe a little more broadly and because I'm not, you know, involved in that team at all, like I wouldn't want to speak to it. I guess, even if I, you know, had some sort of real answer to that. Um, but this idea of, you know, 
what is featured, what is verified, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that sort of generally, um, I, this is wider than the WordPress community. And I think that, you know, I will avoid actually specifying like how much wider we're talking about. I think people will understand um, sort of what I'm getting at. But there is um, sort of this propensity to react to everything in pretty extreme ways, right? Um, so let's say that there was some sort of verification or, or we actually we can take a, a real example of something um, that's been very contentious, which is what are featured themes on .org, right? Um, I don't even know how this is determined anymore. I think, you know, for a while it was like auto decided what they were, which is <laughs> kind of weird. Um, like I like auto a lot, but I like, I think it's weird <laughs> that he's picking, you know, featured themes. Um, I think there was like a system where, people who got through the most theme reviews that month got to pick a feature theme that, or something, you that, know, it's, that's when it was at its, that's when the bubble was really starting to, uh, to inflate there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that's been very contentious. Right. And, and I think that there are, you know, a few things around it. One is, you know, like hoping that everything can sort of be decided in this committee fashion, um, which unfortunately is not reality, right? Like why do we have, any sort of hierarchical structure to like core, you know, contributors, core developers, you know, people sort of naturally feel more comfortable, and especially when you're volunteering with sort of this like upward flow. And that upward flow also should be absorbing, you know, burden as you go up, right? It's not pushing it down. Like the burden is not on, you know, your, you know, drive by patch contributor or your theme author. The burden is really like as you go up, right? Um, on absorbing things like what is blowback for this decision that I'm making, um, you know, that sort of thing. It's not, you can't push that downward, right? That's, that's really like, that's bad. <laughs> it's bad leadership. Um, so for me, it's, you know, it, it's become really hard to make decisions um, and declare decisions because the blowback to those decisions is frequently, I mean, it's exhausting. Um, and it's often very polarized. People drag a lot of uh, personal stuff into them. Uh, there are a lot of personal attacks you see going on. Um, and this has sort of invaded, you know, all parts of of discourse, I think. Um, and, it, and it's showing in WordPress, like even for being what I would still consider, you know, a, a very friendly um, and open community, you know, this has sort of, you know, come into, you know, the way that we talk to each other. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of, you know, my peers, you know, among, you know, core committers and developers um, who sort of communicate decisions poorly, um, maybe communicate, you know, rationale poorly or like not in a timely fashion, right? Like there are a lot of communication issues coming out of that. Um, and then there are, of course, like the way you get reactions and feedback to those things, right? So, Am I shaping the way that I've asked for feedback in a way that will be constructive? Um, is the way that people are responding to this, you know, constructive? Or is it just, you know, tearing something down and therefore, you know, I don't want to make decisions at all anymore, right? And I think that that's one of those things that becomes really tough is that, you know, you have something like featured or verified or, you know, all those things. At the end of the day, like somebody has to make that decision, Right. And that person has to be able to absorb that blowback, hopefully be able to shape things in a way that you don't get so much of it or that what you do get is, you know, good criticism that you can incorporate. 
um, into making things better. Um, but that's that's a lot of work. And there are not a lot of people that want to do that. Um, sort of generally, I think in tech, that's not really like a, you know, a, a personality type that you see frequently in open source software <laughs> contributors. Um, and it's certainly not something that you can like expect from volunteers. Um, so I think that part becomes hard. It's why, you know, I feel fortunate that, you know, I'm sponsored to do this. Um, so it's my job because I want it to be my job. I'm very fortunate in that way as well. Um, but also like I can absorb the attacks. It's a personality type thing. Um, it's fine. Um, I'm not really, I don't really open myself to them in the first place because I don't really express like, you know, personal <laughs> thoughts about things. It's just, here's the information that I have and the reason why I, I think that this is, you know, where we should go with this for WordPress or whatever. Um, and I'm willing to make those decisions and just sort of absorb that. Um, but otherwise, it can be very tough. And so you find yourself in situations where, you know, nobody's making any moves at all uh, because we're sort of, we're all afraid of each other. Yeah, and that's not a not a good place to be at all. No. And, and again, like you said, this is way broader than WordPress. And I, I, I bring that up every time I see... Uh, the scuffles in the comments uh, and in the forums and the track tickets, uh, the you know human nature, money at stake, volunteers. You start mixing all this stuff together. Opinionated developers. Uh, it's, it's it just becomes it is what it is scenario, yep. uh, and it's tough. It's tough to navigate. Uh, wrapping up, uh, my last question here is: as my career has matured, uh, I've come to really respect the creative. Uh, in building process of products, but even more so the promotional pro process of all of this stuff. So it's one thing to spend all this time building things and being creative and having all these feature functions, but you still have to get people uh, to be attracted to use your plugin, theme, product, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but as someone who has practiced music professionally for over a decade, and I'm sure even longer than that, uh, what similarities can you draw from the starving musician to <laughs> the starving product maker uh, in this digital online world of selling products? Uh, or quite simply, is there a piece of advice for product builders that you have uh, that you can relate from your days as a professional musician, maybe trying to uh, get your album heard or <laughs> get noticed on the big stage, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I think... One of the big things, and, and this was a huge topic when I was in music school, so um, just, I, I don't know if like time makes a difference to people, but I finished my master's in 2008, um, so that's like my timeline of, of music stuff. Um, when I was in music school, um, a huge focus was this shift to sort of building your career piecewise rather than having... A traditional path, right? And that relates very closely to web development, which is in itself so new and not really necessarily, you know, what you might consider a traditional path where you go to school, you take some tests, you do some internships, and then you get a job, right? And you're like developer level one, and you get to developer level three, and you become a manager, right? Um, we sort of you don't really have that. Cubicle. <laughs> right, exactly. You get you get your, you know, corner office and windows and whatever. Uh, so we don't we don't really have that um, in web development because it's so new and and music is is an ancient profession, um, but we've entered this modern world and I think it's a very rude awakening actually for a lot of musicians. Um, and again, that's that's why teaching that class was uh, such a big deal. Like having that class was a big deal um, at the conservatory where I was. Um, 
And so, you know, like clearly laying out in today's world, right, as a musician, you're not going to graduate and go play in an orchestra or teach at a school or, you know, just do any of those things, but rather you might be doing all of the above plus trying to market yourself, plus trying to, you know, perform, plus working at a church, plus, you know, all those things. You might be, you probably will have a piecewise career. Um, and that's okay, right? There are a lot of things that like, you know, life-wise maybe aren't that great about it, right? Like figuring out what insurance is going to be like, you know, taxes, all those things. Um, but the reality is that your career is probably going to be a bunch of things altogether. Um, so, you know, this in in web development in and in, you know, this making your own product space, um, you know, you need to always be looking at what's like what the current landscape is right and not think about necessarily what you know existing traditional paths have been to success um but rather thinking about you know what is a current need that people have what is a current problem what is something that i can do to address that um in music so let's say that you want to be um performing giving concerts um you will almost certainly you know, in the past, this would be, you have a program, you have like a set program and you just play that. You tour around playing that same set, right? Pop artists still get to do this. Um, for a lot of classical musicians, especially smaller ones, you don't really get to do that anymore. Um, you really have to branch out and look at what your audience is going to be in a given location. Um, you might one day be giving a very high level concert at a major concert hall. And the next day, um, be doing an outreach concert at a local middle school, right? And so the music that you're doing, the way that you present it, the way you break it down, right? So doing an outreach concert doesn't mean that you get to just walk out on stage, bow, play your stuff, get some applause and walk back off. It means that you're, you're going to have to talk about what it is that you're doing, maybe break down the piece of music, play some examples, um, introduce some history about the composer or the piece, Right. So you had to break it down and really change up what you're doing based on where you are at that moment and who it is that you're hoping to sell that thing to. Um, and I think that's the case for products. Um, you know, I don't think of myself as a product creator. Certainly, like I do a lot of product management style stuff uh, for WordPress itself. Um, that's sort of the way that I look at it in WordPress is, you know, where are we right now? Um, it's not just about, you know, actual individual competition, you know, competitors, but rather, you know, what is a thing that people are getting done more effectively somewhere else, right? And what can I do, like, you know, that allows them to get that done with me um, in a way that fits my project, um, in a way that broadens my user base, um, that can bring them in, make them feel good about what they're doing, make them see that, from here, there are further possibilities so that maybe they come back to use WordPress for a different site, um, that sort of thing. And so that's that's really, uh, I guess, the way that I look at it and continue to look at it. That is a phenomenal answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, the the only, I shouldn't say the only, but the most recent um, sort of uh, uh, exposure I have to classical music is Amazon's hit show, Mozart in the Jungle. <laughs> oh, I haven't uh, seen this yet. 
Oh, it is it is phenomenal, right? And, yeah. and I think once you I think once you see it, you're gonna draw a lot of synergies between uh, core team and contributors and <laughs> like this whole <laughs> this whole process. But it definitely highlights what it's like for I guess uh, sort of how you you know almost phrase it like the the touring uh, classical uh, uh, musician because many of them in the show are you you see them quickly playing at one venue and then they and they sort of go to the next but they're playing totally different things and they're sort of bored with one and and really excited for the other of course um but it's a great show i definitely recommend it helen this has been an amazing conversation where can folks find you to say thanks um so i guess the easiest place is really on twitter um i'm at helen ho sendy um that's probably the easiest way. Um, I tend to read all tweets. I don't always necessarily respond to them, although I, I'm a serial favoriter of tweets. <laughs> um, so maybe there will be that. Um, but that, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get to me. And in 10 seconds or less, will we get the REST API this release? I am still reviewing that proposal. Okay. So I cannot give you a real answer to that. <laughs> Sounds good. Ellen, thanks for doing the show. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody learned something uh, new and exciting. And I hope everyone's obviously really excited for the 4.7 release. I know I am. Helen, doing a phenomenal job. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody who's listening to mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list if you do enjoy the show if you get something out of it it helps you build your business gives you some insight into WordPress head on over to iTunes we'd love a five star review so we can uh, it helps us get found really and everyone says that every podcaster says it but it really does Uh, you don't even have to write anything if you just hover over the five stars uh, and press the mouse button that's all I need you to do (laughs) Uh, otherwise leave some feedback really appreciate it thanks everybody Hey everyone, did you enjoy this episode? Head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It really helps. I say it all the time, but it definitely, definitely does. Always reach out to our guests and say thanks. Uh, We always link them up at the end of the show to share their Twitter account or wherever they can be found online. So make sure you go ahead and do that. They spend a lot of time with us. And thank our sponsors, Pagely and Valet, for keeping the Matt Report going until the end of the year. If you're interested in sponsoring the Matt Report, you can get a hold of me. It's mattreportblog at gmail.com or just mattreport.com slash contact. Reach out. Uh, We are looking for sponsorships going into 2017. Again, if you want to sponsor one of the premier WordPress podcasts out there, go ahead and reach out mattreport.com slash contact. 